G'day legends and welcome to the Stoic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is Sean. How are you Sean? Good Jared, yeah, still sweating like nothing else here. It's not rained since before Christmas. My garden is dying. Uh, someone send me some sky water, please. Um, one positive, you'll never have a Rangers fan slash Sevco fan rock up at your house if there's no water. So you're all good. <laughs> So that's yeah. a positive. Silver lining, Sean. Silver linings. <laughs> well, my, my toilet's working, so they might actually. Uh, they guess that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, everyone, thanks for tuning in for the uh Selig Down Under podcast. As usual, we appreciate the support. Uh, we're trying to grow our YouTube channel. So if you are watching this on YouTube and you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Uh, we're trying to get We've just cracked through the 750-odd mark on the uh, YouTube channel. We're trying to get up to over a 1,000 on that front. So that's the goal for the rest of this season, to get to a 1,000 by the end of it. So easily achievable. Come on, Celtic family, get around us. So we'll, um, what we want to do is um, in today's on today's podcast, just jump into the comments, put in any questions you've got, any topics you want us to discuss, just add them in there and we'll do our best to get to them. And, um, yeah, we'll crack on to what we've got here. Shane's in the comments. Have a, have a good pod tonight, Shane. Lads, from Shane. Miss you, Shane. <laughs> Take easy, Had buddy. To Had to stir him. So, um, yeah, we'll start off. Since our last pod, we've had two games. So Celtic 4, St. Mirren 0. Um, what we'll do is we'll go through it. So the goal scorers on that game were Abada in the 15th minute. Kyogo in the 35th and the 53rd minute and Turnbull in the uh, 86th minute. So, Sean, what was your overall take on that game? Uh, it was comfortable, wasn't it? It was business as usual. It feels like we're now so far removed from that game that it was like a year ago. Uh, so much has happened since then in Scottish football. Uh, we've had mate. players coming in and out. We've had uh, cup upsets for historical cup upsets we've had all sorts of stuff going on i can i'm not even sure i can remember what that bad goal was like to be honest uh the thing that stood out the most for me was uh the, that kyogo goal uh the chip obviously uh which has been touted as a potential goal of the season um i don't i don't yeah. know if you've seen it back but i've just i've watched it like a hundred times and every time i watch it, i'm like right okay what's going on here you know it's something different every time you watch it too sure yeah. The way to the pass the first time, the and you think the vision, how did he see that? Then how did mm-hmm. he execute it? Then he did it on his weaker foot. Exactly. Then it's like Kyogo, when he doesn't think and just does, what made him think to chip the keeper in that situation, to have it yep. just come down under the crossbar? There's something different every time. It's just unbelievable goal. Great teamwork there and a goal, you know, made in Japan basically. I keep watching it to try and find the frame where Kyogo looks at the goalkeeper. And at no point from when the camera goes to Kyogo do you see him looking at where the goalkeeper is. So he's like, he's chipped the goalkeeper without just some sort of sixth sense about, or seventh sense about where the goalkeeper actually is. Because, like, it must be some point, but it's not in frame at any time. He's looking at the goalkeeper. He's just absolutely. Otherwise, he blind because he knows where the keeper is, obviously, but without looking, is just lobbed the keeper perfectly. To me, it's one that I think is would be a peripheral vision sort of thing. Like as he's making his run, he's like, okay, focusing, make sure he's on side, checking out all the other stuff going on, and just as he's like looking for the ball coming through, he'd be like looking peripheral vision out here. Okay, keepers on his line, he's on his line. Okay, peripherals, he's coming off now, so I've got to chip him. Mm-hmm. Chip him will go through his legs. There is two options in that situation. He picked right. Yeah, and who in their right mind chips the goalkeeper instead of going for a low shot? <laughs> um, Celtic strikers. Exactly. All like, these Celtic strikers. I'm, that are absolutely you know, I can remember three or four that have done that in the last few years, in the last couple of while. So we all know about Larson's chip, but since then, off the top of my head, ones I can think of, you know, Kyogo's done it. I think he's done it twice now. Yep. He did one last season uh, as well. Three, maybe? Two or three? It's two that I can remember anyway. Probably mm-hmm. is the third one that I'm missing. Um, then you had, what's his name, did it? Edward chipped the guy once. Uh, Dembele did it against. Dembele did it. That were the, the three I was going to bring up that I can remember. 
Yeah, no, he's, he's on some form, Kyogo. Like, some of this rumours about Giacomacchus trying to walk back his, his transfer request is interesting because he's probably just sitting watching as well and going, ah, okay, fair enough. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have been able to score that goal. Uh, is that situation him? there, Sean, on that? We'll just jump onto that quickly with the whole Giacomacchus thing. For those who don't know, rumours are floating around that he put in, he got, didn't like the bid he got, uh, the contract offer he got. So his agent's gone out to drum up something and then he's like, no, nah, I don't like these moves I'm getting linked with. Oh, can I stay? And Ange just told him that, jog on, son, basically. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if you don't want to be here, see you later. That's the room they're talking about. So what were you going to say, Sean? Um, yeah, just saying that he's probably, like after Kyogo's scored those four goals in the last week, he's probably just thinking, oh, look, fair enough. This guy is actually on some really good form. Uh, I, yeah, and look, to be fair, if... Um, he wasn't injured or if he wasn't, uh, you know, agitating for a move, he probably would have started one of the games in the last week and Kyogo probably wouldn't be on four goals because, you know, for example, Kyogo gets taken off at halftime and, um, against Morton, so could have had even more. Uh, I was checking back because that's him on 20 goals now for the season, uh, uh, Kyogo, and when, I was thinking when that's the same as he scored last year when he was our top scorer, so he's now got, uh, I checked it, hold on, I've written the number down, uh, 21 games left, potentially, if we progress to the Scottish Cup final. So 21 games left to play, and he's on 20 goals. You grabbed something there that I was going to say anyway, but it was like last season, he had the, um, like he played basically played half a season, Kyogo did, and he scored 20 goals. This season, we're all like, so many people talking about, Kyogo's not in great form, blah, 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 he's been struggling, yet he's at 20 goals again after, at the halfway point of the season. We played everyone in the league twice already now. So... At the same point, he's at 20 goals. It's like, okay, cool. Now let's see him go on and do it over a full season. Because we've got to remember, this time last year, he was at the back of 18 months of solid of playing. So, yeah, it'll um, yeah, be interesting to see how many he goes for this season. I also was curious about, like, so the, the benchmark, I don't know if it was the same for you, but when I was younger, the, the, the chat was always... Uh, teams were looking for a 30 goal striker and that was the kind of round number that was always used. Uh, I feel that football's changed a little bit since then uh, and strikers are uh, less, uh, more more than just goal scorers these days. You know, it's not the same as the Darren Jackson and John Robertson days. So I went back and checked how many, since Larson and Viduka, who would consistently score, back when we were talking about 30 goal strikers, how many players have actually scored 30. Uh, we've got Hartson straight after them scored 30. Scott McDonald in 2008, 31. Gary Hooper, 2013, he scored 31. Chris Commons, the following year, got 32. Griffiths in 2016 got 40 goals total. And the last person to get over 30 was Dimbelli with 17 goals. And uh, On that though, Sean, I'm going to jump in right here. Kyogo doesn't take penalties. A lot of those guys would have taken penalties. That's the, that's the spooky part. Like for me, just hearing you rattle through guys, Hartson could take penalties. Paducah would take penalties. McDonald would take penalties mm-hmm. here and there. And you keep going through and you keep going through. Dembele would take them. Lee Griffiths loved a penalty. Mm-hmm. Kyogo doesn't take penalties. How many penalties can you remember him taking at the club since he's been here? I don't believe he's taken one, has he? I don't, Unless I think there's it, a shout. I can't remember any for the life of me and maybe one, but even that I doubt. I can't remember him taking a penalty ever. No. Okay. So it's either been Giacomacchus, Juranovic, uh, or Moy. They've mm-hmm. been the three main guys, and Turnbull took one or two early last year as well. Yeah. So that's it. Like I can't. He's getting this many, and he doesn't have any pen. He doesn't take penalties. It's crazy. Yeah, and that's in. I believe he's ninth in the European Golden Boot race. Uh, he's, he's not going to get anywhere near Erling Haaland at number one, but. Um, Still to be ninth in Europe is pretty impressive. Uh, and as you say, without taking penalties. Because Lauren Shankland would come in at like, I don't know, whatever position. Lauren Shankland being one goal behind him. But Lauren Shankland has scored like, I don't know, seven or eight penalties. I don't know what the actual number is. Something like that. Yeah, could have taken a few. Yeah. So yeah, it's, always still, it's a stat pad as strikers do, Sean. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Because even anytime you take a penalty, you're what, you're more than 50-50 to score, right? But the problem is we don't get many penalties. So 
like what we had four this season. So even if he had taken and scored every one, he'd still only be on twenty four goals, right? That's yeah. we, I think we, years ago, isn't it? That's right. I think we made that joke in one of the preseason pods. Like we were saying, who's going to be top scorer this year? And I said, uh, whoever's taking penalties for dangerous. And like, it's not far off, right? Facts, facts. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> well, um, just with the the St. Mirren game, I just want to touch. I was going to touch on the player. I just mentally blanked out all of a sudden. So give me a, give me twenty mm-hmm. seconds or so to get back to what I was going to say. Was it Adamich? What's that? Was it Juranovic because it's his last game? Yeah, I was going. That's it. Juranovic playing left back mm-hmm. after the game against Rangers. We were all like, "Oh yeah, this is um, we don't want to play him at left back." He did a good job there for me, considering it was his last um, pretty much last game for the club. But the other one I wanted to touch on, Kobayashi, mm-hmm. starting at left centre back, the balance that brought to our backline. Mm-hmm. Between that game and then again on the weekend against Granite Morton, him and Staff out together building that partnership. It's been good to see. Staff yeah. out, before you jump in with whatever you're going to say, Staff out, I think in the St. Mirren game, the first 15 minutes or so, he looked a little iffy because he's back on the right and he's been playing in the left for a while. So it's just, okay, let's just adjust body position. Let's just get used to being back over this side of the field. But then from about that 15 minute mark, against St. Mirren onwards all through the weekend. I was happy with him playing on the right, but over to you, Sean. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was overly tested. Um, Kobayashi defensively, there'll be harder games than uh, St. Mirren and Morton uh, if, to, to prove himself in. If, you know, we're a Champions League club, uh, at least with Champions League aspirations. So there, that's not the level that you're going to be tested defensively. But he did look a lot better than Starfield uh, from a technical perspective. Like, he could pass the ball with both feet. Um, I'm told he's a left-footed player, but sometimes it was hard to tell because he can just he was doing some quick one-touch passes with his right as well. So I was kind of, is he actually like is he trained to be left-footed or is he naturally left? I couldn't quite it's tell. The, the technical ability that Japanese players that you can't Japanese and Korea in particular, like talking about Asian football, they tend to be very versatile both feet, as you saw with that pass we're talking about from Hatate earlier. Mm-hmm. Get it with his weak foot, but he was still inch perfect on the pass. It's the same with Kobayashi playing there at left left centre back. Like he's naturally a left footer, but he can hit a nice long right ball. He's good good on his feet there as well. So yeah, his passing was really crisp. It was like good pace, good direction. Like it was it was good. I, I think it. I know as much as we're saying put Starfield on his natural side. I think even on his nat- natural side, Starfield is not technically as good as Kobe Ashley and Carter Vickers are. So I could quite easily see uh, him being the the partner for uh, Carter Vickers uh, in the future. Uh, I know Ange doesn't like to chop and change centre-backs, but if he'd been, if Kobe Ashley had been here when Starfelt's hamstring was done, he'd have been in the team ever since, in my opinion. I, it's hard to say. He's, like I said, we've not seen him being tested defensively, really, but in terms of his technical ability. Yep. Well, yeah, well, you look at the two teams we're playing, let's be honest, but he wasn't really challenged much. But, yeah, it's one of those things that the only thing I can hear, and it's just come up in the comments as well, was that he's, he wasn't that great with the headers. Mm-hmm. Give, him, give him time. Like, for me, I'm just glad to see him get 180 minutes of football into his legs in our system and start to establish himself into the team. For me, that's more important than a couple of misplaced headers against St. Mirren in a League Cup game. Like... Mm-hmm. Was it League Cup or was it League? Uh, so it was, league. was the league and league, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I'm not too worried about a couple of misplaced headers. Like, let's be honest, we've got a clean sheet again, so we're okay. On Mahesh's point there, like uh, Carter Vickers and Starfelt are both uh, the word I would use is uh, stereotypical imperious uh, in the air. But if you think back, that was not something that Starfelt had from day one. That's been trained into him, I think, and and Starfelt is very good. At, He's very aggressive uh, with it in the air, and does very well uh, on those. And that's some that's that's a system thing. That's not. I, I would assume I'm just signing players that you can get that into them. If you think back, I actually believe hard to say for sure, but I believe Starfield was signed on his passing accuracy. Uh, if you look at the stats, yep. and he was not 
very good in the air at first. He was letting balls bounce and things like that. But in the last, say, year, uh, I think, uh, he's been very good at, at aggressive in the air. And it's surprisingly, and it's to the point where it's his now strongest asset and it's the reason why he stays in the team. So I think what Mahesh is saying is I think it is because it's a system thing that will be trained into Kobayashi if it's not already part of his game. Yep, agree with you on that. The thing you're just saying about uh, Starfelt and his headers as well is, for me, what I found funny was, like, I don't want to hear the commentators saying the centre-back's names or the defensive midfielder, the number six's names during a game. The less I hear that, the better in my opinion because it means we're pinning them in with their press or we're keeping them out wide, keeping them out of the danger zone. But mm-hmm. the thing that I notice is like Carter Vickers, you notice him more when you're watching the game on the TV. He just like your eyes are drawn to him because of the presence he's got. Starfelt, not so much. And there's been games where I've been watching and all of a sudden I'm like, I can't remember Starfelt doing anything. And then all of a sudden you hear the commentator go, Starfelt with a great header. Starfelt, later on, Starfelt clears it with a header. And you just hear that a few times and suddenly it's like, okay, cool. He's winning his headers. He's, he's doing his job. Happy days. And I don't really too, worry about him too much. But it's like for me listening, if the commentators are saying their name and he's clearing it with his head, that's great. But, yeah, well, um, I think the easiest thing is we should just crack on to the um, – to the the next game, but before we do that, I just want to. You mentioned about um, Kobayashi and Carter Vickers playing together. Well, realistically, with Yen's pretty much out the door, as we've got it later on the list, but I'll just jump it up now anyway. Looks like his loan's been cancelled and he's going to Schalke in Germany. He's going back over there. So, um, if that's the case, so be it. He fluttered to deceive, as far as I'm concerned. I'd rather have Kobayashi. In alongside Carter Vickers and Starfelt, those three battling out for two spots and then having Welsh and Boson Lawwell yep. playing playing it for that fourth option in the in the rotation. Yeah, for me that's um that's the way to go now. So yeah, it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, no, there's no room for Jens anymore, especially uh, in the way, not necessarily as, as in terms of as a criticism of him as an individual, but in terms of the way the squad is developing. Plus, you know, Jens is now a player, let's be honest. All the other guys there are our players to build about. So, um, yeah. Something you said as well, though, about the system, right? I was just thinking while you were talking before, and it's just popped back into my head. The centre-back's being good in the air. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go right back to the old Rossellona days with Andrew Brisbane Raw. Mm-hmm. There's two centre-backs there. He had Matt Smith and he had, I uh, can't remember the guy's first name, Devere. Those two centre-backs, dominant in the air. Anything come in the box, just header it, clear it, and then they'd just be off and racing. Mm-hmm. And then it was the same when he was with the national team. He had a couple of dominant centre-backs, and it's the same here. It's... It is Andrew's system, so he was spot on with that as well, Sean. But I was just thinking back further, a couple of mm-hmm. steps back further, just to tie it all in. You see, and it's something that uh, when I went to the game in Dundee, when we won 9-0, um, it's the defenders do it in the warm-up, which is something I've not seen before, is they, they attack the high balls in a warm-up. I've never I've never seen a team do that in a warm-up before, the way they were doing it. But they had the four, the four defenders in a line, and whatever coach was just putting balls in the air, floating high balls, and the defenders had to absolutely attack it. And that, that's – so it's clearly something that's coached and not just part of these guys' natural games, whether it is or not. But there's more to it than that. And, and uh, another thing that came out of the Samaritan game that kind of links to the Morton game is something that we've kind of missed in the first half of the season was Turnbull and his uh, shots from outside the box. We've not – I remember we had that in the first half of last season and then since Turnbull ripped his hamstring, we've not really been seeing it much, have we? Yep. Like it's kind of dropped out the, the actual factors of as a threat for our team without Turnbull in the team. Yep, spot on. Just got a comment here from um, Peter Caliero, I think I've said it properly. Sorry if I butchered your name, mate. But Eric Pardalou, I thought he was a defensive midfielder at Brisbane Roar in front of those two I mentioned but he can play centre-back as well. So I may be wrong, but, yeah, you're, that's the sort of setup where he had that tall cent, central mid in front of the two centre-backs. So, yep, 
<laughs> Just going to go through some comments here quickly before we crack on to the other one. So, all right, let's have a let's have a look here. So, Andrew Kalia, GG wasn't fit at all until the winter break last season, and Kyogo was injured after. So both played basically one out without competition. So that's talking about the whole striker situation that we we're discussing early on, and GG apparently retracting is wanting to leave. Mm-hmm. And then Andrew's also put in here, Jens is gone apparently. Yep, we just touched on that. Jeez, anyone think this is the Andrew show with all these comments here? <laughs> He's going on. Our squad seems to slowly be slowly getting taller and younger, which is great to see. I think when we looked at the overall squad average ages, I looked at it about a month into the season once the transfer window was shut. And the average age of everyone, everyone's teams in the SPFL, we were the third youngest. So mm-hmm. you look at the levels we're playing at the third, with the third youngest squad, which is good for when Ange goes, there's extra levels he wants to get the team to. That's good to see that there's still room to go and there's still levels and progression can happen. So that's good. On the subject of young uh, tall players, that I, I looked at the highlights of that uh, Korean boy that we're signing. He is a physical player. He is. He looks. Uh, he kind of reminded me of like I, I couldn't quite put my finger on. I was trying. I was searching for like a, a ex Celtic striker that he looked like, and I couldn't. I couldn't come up with one. Uh, the closest I could come up with in terms of ex Celtic strikers, that it was he was like a more decisive Samaras or like a more mobile Vinegar of Hesselink. Uh, I was going to say um, Van Hoydonk. Yeah, that's that was the other name that came out of my head, but um, I think Van Hoytom is a bit more technical than this kid looks in his highlights anyway. Uh, the other one that I, th- I thought of was Lyndon Dykes. He kind of reminded me of him a, a little bit as well. Um, he was a big physical guy, good technique. He played with his back to goal a lot, but he was really dynamic in terms of what he could do when he had his back to the goal. Like he could uh, take it in and turn the defender, or he could just play a quick one-touch pass, or he could hold it up and he's... he's could get so he scored some good headers as well, and he was taking shots with both feet. So, he, like the guy, obviously, we've been talking about um, uh, the physicality a lot, but uh, the, the there's yeah, his technical ability looks good too. Yeah, on him, on Obel, we're going to talk to him in uh, probably about five more minutes, five ten minutes. We'll get to that topic. So, I'll give my my rebuttal and opinion on that then, Sean, but. Yeah, what you said there is pretty much quite a quite a lot of what I was going to say. Yeah, sorry, I just when Andrew mentioned it, I thought it was a good link. Yeah, we've got Mahesh has gone here. Kobayashi is a deceptively big unit. Sure is, and then Andrew with another comment was, I think Johnson could easily play centre half in this Celtic team if required. Agree, but he tended to play if he was in a back three, he'd play right side, right center back, like right side a guy in a back three. So I wouldn't play him as an actual full center back unless we were desperate or someone got sent off. And you looked at the bench, and if your only options on the bench were okay, we put in you know someone who hasn't played in ages like Jens, or we can bring Ralston in, push Johnson inside if need be, or put the bricky even at center back. Right, center back, there's options there. So, but I don't think Andrew even let it get that far. So, yeah, we've got it's some good stuff going on there. So, um, yeah, um, I think uh, Wata was signed as a potential felon at center back as well, right? I know he seems to be signed as a number six, but uh, I believe he's played there before, which is probably part of Yen's moving on as well. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web solution makes the process nice and simple as it should be. If you've listened to the Celtic Down Under podcast, you know we strive to have a quality show, and Zencaster provides us with both crystal clear quality sound and HD video. It's easy to use, works a treat for us, there's nothing to download, we just click on the link and start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-productions, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode recorded, edited and released. 
Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CELTICDOWNUNDER. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Okay, I'm just having a look at a thing. There's another comment here from Juan Douglas. Hey, boys, did any of you see John Hughes' tweet about GG? And he just came on, came on, so you may have spoke about it. Yeah, we discussed it about five, say, minutes ago, five, ten minutes ago there, Juan. But, yeah, um, John's got, got the good oil. Like, he's um, pretty well – I'm not going to say he's well connected in terms of he's in the no agent sort of thing. He, if he says something like that, he's actually – got some contacts at the club because of who his old man is and everything like that. So John wouldn't have put that out on Twitter just for the, the sake of just shits and giggles and trying to stir everyone up. So he knows what he, he knows what he's talking about. And um, yeah, he's a good source to get there. All right. So we'll crack on. So Celtic five, Greenock Morton, nil goals to Moy in the 18th minute. Kyogo in the 21st, Turnbull in the 42nd, Kyogo at 50, uh, 45, 46 minutes, an extra time, and Moy in the 84th minute. So I think the key talking points, we don't need to bang on about this game because, you know, I did the match day with Axom as a part of our partnership on that, so I've said my bit on there. Sean, you had your, your say on the... Uh, 10-minute video you do on a Monday or Tuesday, Quickie with Sean, which is what's your background on here, just plugging the episode that went out yesterday. Um, oh, there it is. Inverted. Inverted axis. So, um, yeah, you've had your say on there. I think the main thing for me that I wanted to touch on is, okay, it was good that they're, they're not a great competition, the two things for me that I want to really get to is we talk about every week. I have no idea how the referee said that was a um, a penalty for, for that we end up converting because as far as I'm concerned, and I said that on there, the VAR took pretty much two minutes to review the um, this incident and then refer it to the referee to then go and look at the monitor to give a penalty. It's never a penalty. I think those two people, the VAR ref and the referee, were the only two people in the whole world that would have said that. Like, disgraceful decision. And Morton were given a – it was good to see Morton actually come out and play football against us and have a crack because it's a cup game. What are they going to do? So it was really good to see them come out and and do that. But at the same time, I think that was a bit of a – I'm not going to say like – Dougie Imri said or whatever, their, their gaffer, that that ruined the game. No, it didn't ruin the game, but it was a momentum killer for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, these guys are professional footballers. They should be used to responding to bad refereeing decisions. Uh, the one thing they wouldn't be used to is going 1-0 down uh, in front of a massive team like Celtic. So I guess the point there is it wasn't the penalty that caused it it was whenever they went one no down against us or two one down against us they were going to crumble uh because of their poor mentality uh i don't think if you're not used to bad refereeing decisions then you're, you must be from a different league is is, is making a point there um yeah sorry judge yeah breaking news i was a salt oh oh was signed Oh, yeah, number 19. There number 19, he's signed. There it is. It's official. We've got a striker in the building. Happy days. We'll discuss that in a minute anyway. But, yeah, I think um, overall, Mahesh has summed up this perfectly. Morton had a bigger crack at Celtic than most in the SPFL. All credit to them for their bravery. I want to give him a pat on the back sort of thing for coming and playing football, not the anti-football thing where you sit behind the ball. And then also the... um. The fact that they brought one hell of a crowd. Mm, biggest crowd. crowd we've had yeah. at our stadium so yeah. this season. So good to see him come down the road, support their team. They're probably walking in expecting to lose, but at least they had a crack in the first 15, 
16, 17 minutes until we got that penalty. And then we went up a couple of rungs, but that's football. Like that's what happens in the cup when you're playing against teams. We can't all be, you know, it's just not a Darvel situation, is it? No. And look, whoever decided that Kyogo was man of the match was watching a different game. Aaron Moy absolutely strolled through that game. Like he had the ball on a string. I don't know how many, what his stats are, but he was just like, he had his slippers on. Do you know what I mean? Like he was absolutely strolling it. Yep. It's the kind of like old days when you have like players like Russell Atape just strolling, you know, the old piano uh, joke. On the kind of, I was, I'd only, I hadn't watched it live, but I did watch it back. And I'd, so I'd started doing the timing on the VAR decision. And it's, there's a, more than a minute between the handball and the ball going out of play. So there's more than a minute between those two things happening. And then there's still a full two minutes before he, after that, before he even asks the referee to go look at the monitor. So like, how has he not got, how has he not looked at it already? Like bef- within that one minute when the ball's still in play, why it's is he having ball. to? It's, it's yeah, it's awful, man. And the, the, the full thing, like from the handball to the penalty being scored, was literally five minutes. It was a full five minutes it took to get to that point. Like this symbolic. And in, in regards to the handball rule, I think the problem with ev- there's nobody in the world believes that was a penalty. The second one in the second, there's one in the second half, maybe a penalty. Uh, that one was more of a penalty, I thought, that wasn't given. But I think the problem is that there's so many interpretations of the handball rule. There's there's what we think it should be. There's what we believe it is. There's what the referees think it is. There's what IFAB think it is. And there's what TV... And there's all these... And nobody is in the same page around this rule, and it's just causing chaos. Speaking of IFAB, then, we'll quickly use that as a link to something we're going to discuss later on, but we'll jump it up now as well is apparently IFAB are talking about trialling crowds hearing the referees when they're talking to the VAR bunker at the Club World Cup in Morocco. So that's something that they are talking about. Now, there's a video on YouTube from the A-League from a few years back when they – it was like a three- or four-minute video. I would have played – I'd play it on here, but we'll cop cop all sorts of trouble with, um, with YouTube and, you know, the mm-hmm. rules and regulations and stuff for, you know, content and everything. But at the end of the day, what you see is the referee is talking. He's like, all right, this is the decision. Cool. Should I look at it on the monitor just to sell it? Okay, cool. Let's go. And he runs over quickly, looks at it. 30 seconds later, bang, ready to go. So yeah. you can jump on and look that up. I think it's – I can't remember the ref's name was, but, yeah, just search A-League referee, whatever, and they'll bring it up. It's yeah, all in there. The, the one that went to the EPL, I think. Jared um, Killett, who went? Yeah, it was him, yeah. Uh, what, a name. what a great yeah. name. <laughs> and, and look, we, we're already, at the moment, what are we doing when referees are got their finger through here? What we're, we're lip-reading them anyway. Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. may as well just make them up. It just gives us more clarity. We're already second-guessing from their lips, you know? So may as well. Like, how can it... A lack of tra- like more transparency can only be good. It works in other sports. It works so well in rugby. Uh, I don't know how it could be a bad thing, really. Works well in rugby union with the um, TMO. Works well in the NRL, so the rugby league with the uh, the bunker that they go to. Cricket, they've got the um, they, they can go to the the ref as well. There's all these different options that they've got, but let them hear what they're talking about. Like that's the key thing, and. It, if they're going to let them hear it, that's great. Perfect. We'll all know what's going on. But then at the same time, if you're going to open up that bit, open them up to not necessarily full-on press conferences, but, you know, if there's a couple of things there, let the refs talk to the post-match. The managers have got to do post-match interviews. Why not the refs as well? If there's a controversial moment, let's be like, oh, a player got sent off. Perfect example would have been the last Glasgow derby. I would have loved to have heard – even a 30-second snip from the ref, oh, so Connor Goldson, handball, why wasn't it given? Just to hear their reasoning behind it. Like, yeah. Then you can realise, oh, okay, it's because I'm the ref's a raging hun and, you know, is is cheating or honest mistake or he didn't say it because it was blocked by another view. Okay, if that's the case, then why didn't the why didn't the VAR pick up on it? There's, and then you can work out these problems off the back of that. So, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, there's a whole bunch of workarounds there, but I'd love that as well. I think the best sport to get a lesson on from that is NFL uh, because the, the referees explain every decision and it, not in granular detail, but they explain very clearly. And what they'll also explain as well is uh, they'll say, even after they've reviewed things, they'll go, uh, there wasn't clear evidence to overturn. So they'll, sometimes they'll just say like, oh, we can't see it clearly, so we're just sticking with their original decision. So And they'll communicate that. And everyone's That's like, it. okay, fine. They like, say that in the NRL as well down here. Like, say if there's a try or something like that and someone goes to ground the ball or score and they, they bobble it, they go, well, it was sent up as a try. We don't have – we've got insufficient evidence to overturn it, so we've got to go with the referee's decision on the field. Yeah, same sort of thing, but they just openly admit it. So it is yeah. what it is. Every other sport's fine with that. A-League, if if they can't – umpire's call. They put it up on the review, umpire's call. Yeah. Like, it's fine. We're, we're used to it in every other sport. Like, just do it, man. We're okay with it. We're okay with you explaining you can't see it. We're okay with you explaining you're not sure. It's okay. Yep. Like, but when when you're making decisions, we'd like to hear a bit of rationale. It helps us understand. Exactly. All right, so we'll leave that topic there. But uh, do you think the last two questions, the last question on that, though, Sean, I've got for you is, Mm -hmm. should it be implemented in Scottish football? And... Would the Lanarkshire Referees Association and the SFA allow it? That's the real question. I think they'd be terrified of it, to be totally honest with you. But uh, yeah, we should have as well. Yeah, they'd be scared of it. And they should be scared of it. Transparency is not a good thing for them. Yep, 100%. All right, so we get into the transfer section. So we just touched on it. Oh, Hyung Gu has signed for Celtic. Two and a half million, I think it was. Um... So we'll bring up some of the uh, comments here about him. So Andrew has said, apparently, oh, he's good at pressing from the front. So talking about him, where you said your bit earlier on him, Sean, where, what I like about O is he's got that physical presence about him. He He's like a Kyogo type in terms of the way he presses and he can do that. He's decent link-up play, but he's probably a better fit to the system for what Ange wants from his strikers than Jack Amakis is in terms of the pressing and the bringing other teammates into it. And I'll bring up another Andrew comment here, which is six foot one striker and only 21 years old. Great news. That ties into my next thing I was going to say is that, yes, he's six foot one. He's a young striker, which is good because Kyogo, what turned, what, 27, 28 the other day? 28, yeah. That gives us the next one up as we constantly talk about, like, you want to have your your starting striker or your starting player, but then you want to have the younger guy to come through to take their spot if the striker moves on and then you bring your production line. So that's perfect instead of a 28 and 21-year-old. The other thing with O as well is that I was reading an article during the week where it said that at 18, he deliberately chose to do his 18-month um, military service to get it over and done with because he wanted to do his professional football and be able to make his move to Europe as soon as possible. So. Knowing that, we don't have that hanging over us as well where, mm. you know, you need like like uh, Son Hyung Min at um, Tottenham. He got an exemption because they won that because Korea won some Asian Cup or East Asian Games or something like that, so he didn't have to do it. But Yeah, Ki Sun Young for us was when they won the medal at the Olympics. They got an exception. Yep. So, nice. uh, yeah, well, we don't have to worry about that, which is good. Let's go back to that market again in – the summer or whatever, and see what else is out there. Michael yeah, that, that military oh. service thing really takes the value of some players if they've not done it. O is O is in. Gartsky. O just announced. And then Mahesh, I'm going to come to you with the last um, comment here because it's a lot of detail, but I like it. O is an upgrade on GG in terms of mobility and just as tall, but he does but does he have the knack of getting on the end of things in the six-yard box like GG? That's to be confirmed and to be seen, that comment, because does he have the um, the ability in the box? He's played how many um, how many games has he played as an actual out-and-out striker? One season last year. Yeah, he's young. He's played so. 90-something games, but the majority of his games that he's played have been in the military league where they just throw players into any position and he was playing pretty much the um 
Daisy Maeda role playing on the left wing. So mm-hmm. actually going into his club where he was at Sue on blue wings and playing as a, as an out and out striker last season. Yeah, he's um he's actually a decent decent striker from what I've seen and what I've heard. Yeah. And then kind of on the point of how it affects the squad as well. Uh, we obviously had Maeda up front uh, when Kyogo went off at the weekend and we just didn't quite have the same, like it didn't work as well, if you know what I mean, as it does when we have Kyogo or Giacomacus. So uh, I feel like maybe as much as we've been saying, okay, Maeda's our third choice striker, I, I think really outside of the, the European games, it just doesn't work well for him when there's when it's so compressed in the middle of the pitch, which is why he, he kind of works better in the wing for us. So hopefully all oh, having that more of a presence is going to give us a better balance, whether Giacomacca stays or not. And certainly give us, if Giacomacca stays, great, we've got three strikers. Uh, if he doesn't, then uh, he's a better option, I think, than having Maeda as the backup. have to laugh and bring up this comment from Juan Douglas as well. Lads, why are you giving us on O? Surely that's the Rangers manager's job. <laughs> transfer dealings. I was reading that while you were talking, Sean. I was like mm-hmm. trying to piss yourself <laughs> laughing while you were talking, so I didn't ruin it. But uh, did you see yeah, the cool. the Photoshop thing? They photoshopped the, the Campwell to make him look more buff, <laughs> but they put his head on someone else's body so that he looked because he looks like he's, he looks so he's slight. Yeah. yeah, he's about ten stone or something by the looks of him. And they, they'd photoshopped him onto somebody else's body for his unveiling picture, which they did in the past for uh, Morelos in the opposite direction, put him onto Kamara's body. Face it, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shakes always come out lumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a Blendjet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can make a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water and a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, there's a Blendjet 2 to complement just about any style. So what are you waiting for? Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and a free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. It's put in the run sheet. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but Joey Dawson as well. Yeah, let's just go to that. Yeah, so I'd... I'd I watched the highlights of because it was a good uh, a good win for the B team. They're top of the league now after they beat Trinent, who were above them. Uh, so it's now Celtic, Selco, and Trinent all on fifty one points. But the Celtic lads are top on um, goal difference. But Joey Dawson uh, has now scored eight goals in his last five games in the the west of uh, the what's it called the sent this lower Northern Scotland. League. Lowland League, that's it. So he's now scored eight goals in his last five games. And when I was watching the highlights, I was thinking like he looks a lot more physically developed than everyone else on that pitch. So he's now at the point where he's scoring goals. And in his highlights, so I can't really see too much of his game, but he looks physically developed and he's now scoring goals. So I think, should he be coming in as an option now or does he need to get swiftly put out on loan? What do you think? For me, I think it's all going to depend on what happens in the next what was there five days left or so of the transfer window? Like mm-hmm. what happens with Jack and Marcus? Because if Jack, now that O's in the building, if Jack and Marcus moves on, he's been linked with um, Atlanta over in the MLS. Now that's what it looks like the move's going to be. The um, move to Japan looks like it's fallen through, but yeah. if he leaves, 
So then we're going to have Kyogo with O as the backup. Then I always thought we need another striker anyway. So if we bring someone else in, then Dawson should go on loan. I'd love to see him on loan in the Scottish Premiership, though, not at the championship level. Mm-hmm. Get him out there playing for someone lower down who can hopefully bang in goals against Sevco when they play him and whatever. But at the same time, I love that production line theory that we've been talking about. So before we signed O, I actually said on, I think it was on Axon on the weekend, or it was on our pod last week, one of them, that if Kyogo's the starter, and Jack Amakis was to hang around, then I wouldn't mind Dawson coming in as that third-string striker to develop under those guys for half a season to then when one guy moves on in the summer, step up into that spot. So either option would work, but it all depends on what happens with Jack Amakis, in my opinion. If he sta- if Jack Amakis ends up staying till the end of the season, then Dawson goes on loan. If Jack Amakis moves on and we don't bring anyone in to replace him, other than O coming in already, then Dawson would be uh, coming into the rotation there as well. Andrew's mentioned exactly what I was thinking and on based on the back of your comments there, Jared, about Dawson uh, training with the first team, which is, as far as I'm aware, not something he's done uh, to this point. Uh, we've had Lawa, Vata, Olawayemi all training with the first team, and I believe the most recent one to step up was Summers. Is that correct? Yeah, there, there was a, there was another one anyway, and um, but Dawson's name has not been mentioned yet. So, say Jack Amakis does leave, do you do you think that's what we do? Do we think do you think we need to urgently do you think we bring someone in loan to be the third option there, or do you, or do you think Dawson becomes the third option uh, for training and for cover to be on the bench if someone gets injured? A lot of clubs aren't going to want to loan you someone to be a third option. You would have thought if you're going to put a player out on loan then they're going to be like, okay, we want him to go out and play. So thinking of it that way, I think it would be hard to get someone to come in at third option. If Giacomacus moves on and you've got Kyogo and you've got O, then who is your third striker, a more senior one? You can play Maeda there if you need. You can play Jamesy there. Abada can cover the spot minutes here and there if need be. And you can still play Dawson in that development role for six months in the first team and come on here and there. If we're up 3-0, 4-0 like we were on the weekend, 5-0, whatever, put him on and get him get him around, get him some minutes. It's the same with Lowell, as we're saying. Like if you know we're up for 4-0, 65 minutes played, chuck him on for the last 30 mm-hmm. minutes. You can do that with Dawson as well. Martin and Neil used to do it when we only had five subs and now we've got nine. So there's like fewer and fewer excuses uh, for managers to to not be doing that, you know. But I know Lava has been on the bench a lot of times and has only just made his debut on Saturday there. Um, similar with Rocco Vata. Um, but surely when you're 4-0 up, 3-0 up, and he's, why are we not giving these kids a chance? Like, I, I don't know. I think it. Do you, yeah. What's the reasoning? You know, Postecoglou better than me. What, what's he thinking here? Is it that he's just given Lawell? He doesn't think Lawell's ready, and he's just giving him that five minutes as a, a reward for effort. Do, do we think? I don't know. What, what's what's going on? Honestly, um, let's let's look at it this way. If you break down our squad depth and our team, right? Where are our strongest positions? I, um, think yeah. I think centre back and central midfield. Mm-hmm. They're our two strongest positions. So realistically, look at it. Rocco is a winger. So mm-hmm. he's got more chance of getting in sooner. Mm-hmm. Dawson is a striker. We need someone to be a third striker. There's more chance for him there. You look at Lowell and you look at the options in front of him. Are you going to drop Carter Vickers for him? Are you going to drop Starfelt for him? Because there's 10 and a half, 11 million worth of players there. You've got Kobayashi that we've just brought in for what, like as a free transfer, but he's realistically a two, three million pound player. You got him there. Jens is gone. Okay, he's out the door. So Welsh has been linked for for years with other teams for four, five, six, sometimes ten million. Mm-hmm. You've got you got those sort of players, right? In front of him. Who's he gonna knock out to take that spot? That's why, like. 
bringing him in, drip feeding him the rest of this season makes sense for me because who knows if Welsh is going to want to hang around next season if he's not playing week in, week out. If Kobayashi mm-hmm. comes in and establishes himself above him and then we've got Carter Vickers still and we've got staff out, is Welsh going to want to sit around for another four, another year as a fourth option? Maybe not. So then you've got Dane Murray and you've got Lowell looking to push through because Ange said he wants next season to be the year that these guys start to break through into the squad. Mm-hmm. I'd spend the ne- next rest of this season drip feeding those young guys that you've got high hopes for, drip feeding and giving them the chance to come in and be there. And if we're up 3 4 nil, get them on for the last 15, 20 minutes, as we're saying, get some minutes into them. So then come next season, as Andrew says here, these young blokes might have to be the bench warmers in Europe because we need to have a certain quota of Scottish players. And that's where I was headed with that with that little rant there as well. So we've got to bring them along. So Yeah, I also wonder about because obviously a big part of this uh the postocoglus system is around the psychology of the way the team plays, uh in the in the sense of, you know, the we never stop that is the kind of shorthand for it but it's basically to do with maintaining uh, the same intensity and effort levels from start to finish and and I guess if you get to the 65th minute of a game and he chucks on a kid well that's basically a, a permission a tacit permission to just slow down right isn't it and and that's not something they want in the psychology of the team so I guess that's part of it too I get it but then he's got history over here in the A-League and in the old NSL of doing the same thing bringing through those young guys and then Ange can be brutal if he needs to. And if he brings a young guy in and puts him in and they and they drop and their standard isn't quite at that level, so everyone's dropping down to them, he will blast them mm-hmm. and get them to say, no, 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 we don't drop to their level. They have to raise to our level or the doors over there. Go find another club. Mm-hmm. He doesn't muck around like that. He'll give these guys a chance. If they're up not, then see you later and they'll get rid. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, great comeback. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just just trying to think of theories as to why, because like we all want it, but we also want to be what we want that fourth goal. You know, we want Turnbull scoring in the 85th minute. We want Moy scoring a fifth. You know, we we don't want to be going away from the game saying, ah, oh, we took our foot off the gas in the second half, or you know, job was done at half time, kind of thing. We we're there to be. We want to be entertained for 90 minutes, and it's it's an amazing as much as we love winning. Uh, it's amazing to just be entertained for 90 minutes as well. The old Celtic Twitter's already starting to try and make up a chant for O. They've just put out another tweet. Oh, 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 it's magic. I was, I was like, going to say that's, that's the obvious one, isn't it? Please don't start. Just going through the comments quickly. Um, bring this one up. Dawson needs to be an option or what's the point of having a B team? That's the whole plan is to get these guys stepping in next season. So you've got to start drip feeding them now. Andrew Galea, Gigi might be sitting out the rest of the season as the third option. If he doesn't, yep. If he doesn't watch himself, maybe. And then we've got Jake in the comments here. Morning from Scotland. Guess what? It's raining. Well, we're both cooking over here. So, um, dying. And Michael's responded back. The technical term, Jake, is it's pishing. There you go. (laughs) Well, on the subject of the B team, I only watch the highlights because that's all it's offered. Um, but they they look a lot better than they did a year ago. And that is broadly speaking, it's the same players, and they look a lot better, like significantly better than they did this same last year. That's and they happens. were playing the be- one of the best teams in the league at the weekend. That's what happens when you're playing against men week in, week out. Even if it's not at the same level, it does like strengthen you up and get you more used to the physical side of the football, plus having, you know, the link now with – who's the manager again? I've lost, lost his Stephen name. McManus. Stephen McManus. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen With McManus dropping down to do that, and then he's managing him on a similar sort of setup to the way Ange has got things with the first team. It's same terminology, same style of play, same sort of workload they're doing, and they're building their way up. So, of course, they're going to get there. It takes time. It's like – Look at any bloke you go to the gym. You can go as a 15-year-old and you're a scrawny little bugger and you, you pump an iron and you're not seeing anything. But if you – and a lot of people quit or whatever and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, if you've been going for 20 years, suddenly you're the size of the rock. Mm-hmm. 
and and they're doing everything the same. It's even stuff like getting the ball back in quickly. They're doing that as well. Like you can see in the highlights. So it's, uh, you're right that we were. I think we were kind of apprehensive about Steve McManus taking that step back when Harry Kiel came in, taking a step down. We called it, but it's it seems to be a great decision. Like the Steve McManus has had a year. Uh, with the first team getting the philosophy down pat and then he's taking it down to the B team and it's, it seems to be seems from highlights to be working and hopefully we'll see it uh, as part of the A team next soon uh, next year if not I hope next it goes season. further than that though Sean I hope that it's okay Andrew's got the thing with the first team he's passed it on to McManus who's doing that at the at the B team I hope at the same time that he's also teaching the academy coaches so that it comes through from under 12s, under 14s, under 16s, mm-hmm. under 18s, all the way through. Yep. So as a club, we actually finally have a philosophy and it doesn't chop and change if the manager changes. Where we go from Neil Lennon's style to Ronnie's style to Roger's style, back to Lennon's style to Ange. Chop, how many changes have you had there in yeah. styles and ways they go about it? So for me, I think the only one that was a smooth transition was when it went from Ronnie to, to the rap the simple fact that it was a similar style and Rogers just took it to another level. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great point. And it, that's kind of why some teams go for the director of football thing with the idea being that uh, a director of football is going to have more continuity than the, the first team coach, the head coach position, which uh, is often recycled quite a lot uh, in the modern football. And they, they do that in the NFL where they'll have um, the head coach will change pretty semi-regularly, but the, General, man, general manager, yeah, the general, not the coordinator. They, yeah, that, that's a different issue. Change even more, but, yeah. But the general manager uh, will will stay pretty consistent for a longer time, and that's the idea is to have a they will have the more holistic viewpoint. Last two topics, Sean. We'll, we'll duck, duck over it quickly. Josip Juranovic has departed Celtic to Union Berlin. Initial seven and a half million pound plus add-ons. Total of the value of the transfer is up to ten million pound. I'm just going to say um, I have two thoughts on this. The first one is the fee is a ditty fee compared to what we all thought we should be getting for a player of his, his quality. But at the same time, he's come in, he's stuck to form, he chops and changes his jobs over and over and over and over. I cut clubs every 18 months to two years. So it doesn't surprise me that he's moved on now after 18 months. It's he's finally got himself up into one of the top five leagues. Good luck to him. Off you go, do well, and I hope we have a big chunky sell-on fee. Yeah, but, well, yeah, I guess there's a potential for sell-on. I don't expect, obviously, he's not going to move in the summer, but he could, in a year, year and a half, he could end up at Dortmund or Munich if he rips it up in that league. And uh, I would imagine that's part of that rather hefty kind of sell. uh, The contingent fees is probably to do with at least a big part of it we do with whether Union Berlin get into the Champions League or not, uh, because they're currently sitting third in the Bundesliga. So I would expect I'll be supporting Union Berlin for the rest of the season, assuming we'll get financial kickbacks from that. Crazy, isn't it, that they're that high in the league? Came out over. I, I did not know about that until this end of did not I hadn't even looked at the Bundesliga for ages. Like I used to work at a company whose global head office was in Bremen. Mm-hmm. And so like I've always had a soft spot for Werder Bremen because... One of the people I worked with, Matt, is like, she's actually one of like second or third string in there on their capos. I've got like a chicks active area, and it's all girls who sit in the bay and they just like have their own active supporter bay. And she's like pretty high up in that that I worked with for a few years back. And the fact that they're green and white, and a friend of mine was there. I was like, cool. I was keeping an eye on them, and I didn't realize they were that high up in the league as well. So mm-hmm. the Bundesliga. You look at the ladder at the moment, it's completely out of whack to what I thought it was. Same. Yeah. Apart from Bayern Munich being on top as usual. That's stuff standard though. Yeah. All right. Last thing before we discuss the game on the weekend is um, with uh, Frank Lampard getting sacked by Everton and the rumours that West Ham might be sacking Davy Moyes pretty soon. The, uh, the Scottish Hun is at it again, trying to unsettle all of us by claiming that Ange is, get, is linked with both of them. Here we, here we, here we effing go. <laughs> That's all I have to say on that. Like, Ange has come out and 
given it a bit of the kibosh saying that, you know, as long as we want him here, he'll stay. So I trust Ange, but yeah, let's um let's see how much they try to rattle the cage until the manager's appointed at Everton. Or well, yeah, and the next one I'm sure will be Leicester, uh, whenever Rogers gets canned there. Um and pretty much I think pretty much every time a premiership team cans a manager, which is going to be like what, seven like once a month basically? Somebody yeah, gets sacked. Sl- slaughter season's coming up over there with the transfer yeah. window closing. Once it closes, give teams a month and then they start just laying everyone off. Yeah, and they're hardly going to get linked with Robbie Nielsen. So it's going to be um whoever's the best manager in Scotland or whoever's the manager that's got an, a team overachieving in Germ- uh, Germany or Spain. I'm sure Union Berlin have got their manager going to be getting linked with et cetera, et cetera. Like it, it all kind of lacks imagination, these stories. And that's one that we're going to see a lot as long as we are being successful. So I'll take the compliment and kindly jog on Everton. Uh, I would be sad if... You're way Chicago... team. Yeah, I don't want to say that because they've got a massive history. But like if anyone less than... If it's someone that's not going to challenge for the title, I'd be sad that... I'd feel disappointed and let down by Ange going. So like Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United. Is that it? Is, is there Man City? And, then, and anyone outside that, I'd be disappointed. Ange isn't going anywhere till Pep decides he's, you know, going to retire and then he'll go take over for Pep. There you go. Possible. City group, possible. So um, Mahesh's comment here, Ange not going anywhere till he gets a result in the Champions League. Yeah, and look, yeah. EPL teams will happily appoint a manager in their 70s, so I don't think there's times against Postacoglu in that sense either. And then we've got Michael Ross. The Toffees are in a very sticky situation, so I don't see Ange going there. I see what you did there, mate. Toffees and sticky, well played. Well played there. And then um, Andrew Galea, not many clubs can give an Aussie manager the chance to play Champions League. Ange loves it and he's not going anywhere in a hurry. That's my mm-hmm. thoughts as well. So what we'll do is we'll leave that topic there. Celtic versus Dundee United, the SPFL on Sunday. What are you expecting to see, Sean? Is it going to be another 9-0? What are your thoughts? I doubt it. Uh, Dundee United have been a lot better recently. Uh, they've certainly tightened up at the back and they kind of play this style of football where... Stephen Fletcher's a bit of a target man and Tony Watts kind of in support playing, kind of coming in in the wings. They've got Dylan Lev as a playmaker. So they're they're kind of much more aware of their strengths now and they, they, they do play to that. Uh, it's We could win three or four now, but it could also be another a tight game. It's hard to really say in advance, especially with uh, the weather being so inclement. Uh, personally, I think it's going to be pretty similar to the game where we won 3 0 last year, but it was two kind of late goals that made us comfortable. Uh, in that one, yeah. So I'm just looking at it now, going, I was having a look there in 10th in the ladder. Um, one loss, two draws, two wins in their last five. Um, and the game's being played at Tanadice. So, um, yeah, it'll be good to see, good to see what sort of a challenge we get there, but. Yeah, I think we'll win. 2 0, 3 0, something like that. I hope, hope we keep the clean sheets going, but I think we'll win by a couple of goals, but not going to flog them or anything. Yeah. Yeah, we have a good, good run of clean sheets. What's that, four games in a row? Four, four in a row. At, I think it's four in a row at home and or overall or something like that, and all five in a row at home or something like that as well. But even though we're on the <laughs> road, who cares? It's still, still a bit of a run going. So. Yeah, it'll be good to see what happens. Let's get up there, get another win, three more points in the bank, and yeah, happy days. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there was a comment here from Michael Ross that he asked earlier, when is the Asian Cup? Because with all these signings we got at the moment, I can understand the question. So the Asian Cup in this year is from Friday the 16th of June to Sunday the 16th of July. So for okay, once so not during the regular season, it's yeah. during the uh, international break, which is pretty handy because usually they just – I know when Australia hosted a few years back, it was like in the middle of January or something like that when the leagues were going. 
it's kind of like the African Cup of Nations, the way they normally do it, where it's not an international break. They just play it when they want in the second half of the season and send us all your players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that should work out nicely for us because that's probably our preseason. So I guess the players can just get their preseason over there um, yeah. and come back to us match for it. That'd be nice, actually. Um, because we don't have, uh, if we win the league, we won't have any. We won't have any Champions League qualifiers, so that's that'd be nice too. Sixteen league games left, and if we win, what thirteen of them? That's us champions, something like that. Yeah, pretty much. So I've got a couple other things I'll um put in here. So strange love the doctor. I keep missing the li- the show live. Keep up the good work, fellas. Come on, mate, hit that notification bell. You're watching it on YouTube. I had to say it. Now I appreciate you tuning in. As always, like each and every one is. So, um, yeah, yeah just, uh, thanks for tuning in. And then we've got uh, Michael Ross. What's your thoughts on the standard of the SPFL if Darvel can beat Aberdeen? I watched the highlights of that game, and Darvel dominated the first half. Like, absolutely destroyed them. And their pitch was amazing. Mate, that's sixth tier of Scottish football, and their pitch was better than Celtic Park. I'm not even joking. It was sensational, and it was grass. Because I was expecting to see some like rubbish plastic effort, and the pitch was outstanding. <laughs> I was so surprised. I'm not surprised Aberdeen like didn't know what to do like on a good playing surface, like and with their tactics. But yeah, that was I was so shocked at how good Darvel were in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> I seen that. Thanks, Strange Love. Contradicting there. Comment. I'm gonna have to bring it up now just to contradict yeah. you. Darvel yeah. are a dog shit football team. And without the ref chopping off a perfectly good goal and allowing those thugs to boot the Dons off the field, there would be nothing. I watched the entire game. Fair enough. You watched the entire game. I just watched the highlights. But they they dominated the first half in the highlights in terms of chances created. All right. So what we'll do now is we'll uh, wrap up the pod. We've got our final thoughts to come. But before we do that, just yeah, if you haven't already done so, look up Selk Down Under on Facebook. We've got a Facebook group. Join it. We've got a page. You can like it. The podcast will go live on there. Our Instagram, our Twitter, at Celtic Down on both of them. We've got our YouTube channel. You can check that out. We've got merch available on um, www.celticdownunder.square.site. T-shirts, hoodies on there, flags behind me. Got a bunch of them for sale as well. Send an email through or a DM or whatever through to us on the social media if you want one. We'll sort it all out for you. Um, Other than that, Sean? Your final thought? Uh, I believe last week I recommended people watch the Netflix show Russian Doll. Well, yes, watch season one. Do not watch season two. Absolute garbage. <laughs> so I'm just walking back to that recommendation. It's redacted. A bit. It. redacted. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah. Chuck it uh, after season one. My final thoughts. Uh, trying to come up with one that's not going to be controversial, but yeah, <laughs> final thoughts. Um, just give your parents a hug. There you go. Tell them you love them. Got some stuff going on again with uh, last things from my mum who passed last year. So, um, yeah, it's a strange time. So I just give your parents a love, give them a hug, tell them you love them. And, uh, yeah, hail, hail, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Hail, hail.